this is our version of like a web EOC, right? In, in, in the football case, for us is important because it takes a village, right? We need our, our, our Eugene police, we need fire, we need um, Red Cross, uh, White Bird. We need a whole lot of folks to pull off a huge event like this. Back in March, we, the we as in FEMA, visited a workshop at the University of Oregon where emergency managers from different colleges and universities met to compare approaches on how to respond to disasters on their respective campuses. This particular speaker is explaining some of the digital tools used by the U of O. Where she can set her board to say, I just want to see medical stuff that is open, not, you know, it hasn't been solved and closed. A few things have changed since March, and the Eugene campus is not as bustling as it would be at the start of a new academic year with a new football season to match. Because of the COVID-19 pandemic, it's still unknown when college football will return, and many classes are being offered remotely. Even when life was normal and we were eagerly awaiting the start of an American fall tradition for these emergency managers, however, the focus was and is a little different. The fact that we host and run large sporting events is a way for us to train our incident management team. And that was really where our incident management team was born, was in 2008 when we hosted the first um, Olympic trials event here on campus um, since the, I think it was the 60s. Um, yeah, we use that as an opportunity to train folks on the basics of incident management and incident management team. And the benefit of that was it was still a stressful situation because you're running a large scale event, but it wasn't the stress of a crisis. And so we realized we had something there and we tapped into it. And so we have then slowly but surely now all of our football games, we run um, the same kind of IMT structure um, because you basically play how you practice. And so if we can use those events where people are generally just running fast, jumping high, um, you build that muscle memory. I'm David L. Yost and this is the FEMA Podcast. name is Andre LaDuke, and I'm the Chief Resilience Officer and Associate Vice President for Safety and Risk Services at the University of Oregon. What we are hosting today is uh, uh, one of our DRU, Disaster Resilient Universities, network events. Um, and the DRU is something that we started back in 2005. It initially um, was a program that FEMA had funded called Disaster Resistant Universities. Um, when that program concluded, the University of Oregon and a number of campuses decided to kind of continue the, you know, the DRU mantra moving forward. And what we're doing here today is an example of that, of bringing campuses together to share insight on how they're managing um, disasters. And specifically, this workshop is about incident management teams and critical incident management teams on campus and in campus environments, how different campuses are structuring it, sharing promising practices, best practices. So those campuses that um, are just starting to develop kind of a team structure and emergency management can learn from other campuses that have, have done it before. For a campus, for a university, what's like the major concern? So we have a lot of them. Um, often, you know, people talk about campuses being like small cities, which I don't completely disagree, but it's a little more complex than that. You know, so for the University of Oregon, we have over 25,000 students. Um, again, we have a number of those students, over 5,000, that were responsible for housing, feeding, and sheltering. So the complexity of kind of the campus environment um, poses a lot of challenges in the sense of it could be simple things where we might have a power failure, where all of a sudden now we're, we're dealing with care and feeding, all the way to kind of a catastrophic event, be it a Cascadia subduction zone, an earthquake, where it's not just impacting the campus, but the broader community 
um, and, you know, to then the unfortunate incidents that we have seen on campuses around active threats. But so in that is there's so many different um, groups on campus that day in, day out make the campus run. So everything from the students to the research to the instruction. And so it's critical that all of those people have knowledge of when they should, you know, talk up if they see something and, and there's a problem coming. And then our goal is to develop teams that are very agile. So regardless of what the incident is or, quite frankly, um, disruption that we see coming, we can adapt to it. How do you communicate to students that um, there might be an emergency or something to be concerned about? Yeah. So, I mean, like other campuses, we do have a text notification system, but we have a number of different ways that we communicate. And so when we launch a text notification, it automatically goes out to Twitter feeds and to different social media. Um, and so we really have kind of a multi-pronged approach to communicate something that is an emergency, urgent type issue. And you, you pose a really good question of talking with students or communicating with students is something that is an evolution, meaning what we did 10 years ago is not what students today expect. Um, and so one of the things that we always look to is how can we innovate and the best way to innovate is engage the students. And so University of Oregon is fortunate we have a journalism school. And so we work with our journalism school. A good example of this, a couple of years ago we had a number of nighttime campus safety issues. And so we actually partnered with the journalism school marketing program where we had them develop videos for us that then they could push out through different student channels around campus safety and awareness. The benefit of that is it gives the student a service learning opportunity, but the thing that I learned from that was two years ago, three years ago, I'd think, oh, let's do a one-minute video. Students pushed back and said 20 seconds. Um, yeah, so the attention span um, is an interesting thing that we as administrators have to pay attention to, and the best way to do that is if we're going to try and communicate with students, we have to talk with students to find out how they communicate and then, they, and then use their channels and, again, really encourage campuses um, to tap into the students to be part of the solution. Um, so again, we have multiple ways that we do that, but one of the latest things that we're trying to do are these really short kind of preparedness videos that are designed by students, for students, and then delivered through their channels. So do you incorporate like parents at all in this? Yes, uh, we have, uh, so when parents drop off their kids, uh, they can sign up um, for kind of our parent and alumni um, program. And uh, we have so kind of a distributed email message, but also they can, um, you know, a lot of them join the various Twitter feeds and different Facebook feeds. And so that's where it's so critical that we link our messaging and communication to the social media. That's a lot of the way that we get things out to, to parents if they don't choose to sign up for kind of the parent distribution lists. What's kind of one of the major maybe combined concerns or like how are you kind of uh, addressing a problem like through this um, workshop? So the first one is, you know, really kind of exploring in, in, in deeper um, kind of context the power of having dynamic and diverse teams on a campus so that it isn't something that they look to the Office of Emergency Management or the police to manage, but you're looking at how are you engaging your, your student life? How are you engaging researchers, academics? So again, looking beyond kind of what would be the normal or traditional kind of emergency management construct, realizing that our campuses are diverse and dynamic and how do we engage that? And then as far as kind of core topics, every time we seem to have one of our summits or a workshop, something seems to be happening. And so with the coronavirus um, outbreak, 
Um, again, that's a shared um, concern with a lot of our campuses with our international travel, international study abroad, students that are coming um, from you know, different countries that are being uh, significantly impacted right now. And so we use this workshop as an opportunity where we have 50 individuals from campuses around the country to learn how are we addressing this so that again, we're not reinventing the wheel. That majority of us are dealing with the same challenges on how to message to students, how to message to concerned parents, um, how to make decisions about which courses um, abroad we should kind of pull back on. Again, following guidance from the CDC. So there's just that benefit of having that collective knowledge. Um, and then one of the things that's really powerful with the DRU is we don't get together in person all that often, but we take this all online. So we have our DRU listserv. We have now set up a um, Teams platform specifically for coronavirus um, where people can continue the discussion online. Um, and that, I think, is also something that's unique in higher ed. That I think we're um, a little more uh, open to kind of using online platforms just because we're very distributed um, entities. And so what we're doing is connecting institution to institution. So if somebody has developed a really good outreach campaign or messaging on um, you know, infectious disease control or an innovative way to get people to wash their hands more, how do we replicate that and get that out? to a, a lot of campuses. So you don't have each campus trying to reinvent or think that way. So we're always looking at networks and, and how do we connect people that are dealing with similar issues to find um, you know, a collective solution. Pacific University in Forest Grove, Oregon is a part of this network. Disasters have a different effect depending on the community. And as stated, these campuses are very diverse communities. The collegiate version of a whole community approach can level a playing field, reducing the complexity of disaster response. Amy Rasmussen is the emergency manager and business continuity manager for Pacific University and has the task of building an emergency management program from scratch. It's a smaller private nonprofit university um, within a small community um, town of Forest Grove, Oregon, which only has a population of just under 25,000 last census. The campus itself is about 4,000 students, 6,000 with all staff and faculty. Um, we have a pretty diverse degree program, but we have a lot of focus on optometry and health services. So we do have some health clinics that we manage. Um, we have several campuses that are sort of scattered uh, about smaller campuses, some satellite offices, recruiting offices. We have one in Hawaii. Uh, we have one here in Eugene that's pretty small that may end up co-locating with a community college. So we're building those partnerships. Um, we have a Hillsborough campus that has more of the health services focus to it than a smaller campus in Wood Woodburn, Oregon as well. So you have to work with like all those campuses? I do, I do. Uh, and some of the health clinics um, and looking at some of the, the health, uh, federal and state health requirements around managing those clinics. Uh, I am a department of one at this time, which sounds a little bit scary. But the upside is that the university has been very engaged in this process and very willing um, to um, have this program. They, they, they conceived the idea of, hey, we, we need an emergency management program. They determined that um, they weren't mandated to have it. Uh, just a group of folks went to the cabinet and said, hey, we need this. This is a thing that, this is a gap in our process and we need it. So everybody's very engaged. So I'm a department of one, but I have uh, no shortage of engaged stakeholders and people willing to help. So it's, whew, that's a good thing. Do you rely more on partnerships than you see like other agency organizations relying on them? I wouldn't say I rely on them more. I just, I, I believe we have um, 
I may have an easier time with those partnerships. Um, a lot of the stakeholders are internal university folk that are helping. Because I came from county government, I already had some relationships with the city and the county folks, so that was good. Um, I wouldn't say I rely on them more or less, um, but I, I would say that the dependency is more obvious there. Like It's an automatic go-to. We know we need our county partners, especially with... Um, health services issues. We have a, the uh, state health authorities. We have our county public health officers. We have to make sure we're doing that coordinated messaging um, instead of sort of doing all those things in a silo. So we very quickly go to go to those things um, versus larger cities who may be able to manage quite a few things on their own without reaching out to those county partners. We do go to those partners probably with a little bit more frequency. For where you came from, for your background, so from your prior experience, can you rely on that to get the job done? You should not rely on that to get a job done, but it should be a supportive service that wraps around you, and the key to that is that partnership. But if you're relying on them, then that, to me, tells me that there's some gaps in your own process. Um, it shouldn't be a reliance. It should be a, a, a true partnership. We should be able to have certain things that we can offer for them, um, as well as um, the things that we're asking. We shouldn't always just be going to them and asking them for things. We should be able to partner with them and offer our own things. Like, can we be a staging site for a disaster resource center? Can we uh, assist with any mass sheltering? Can we provide outreach? Can we provide preparedness advocates for them? So it should definitely be a partnership and not a reliance situation. So since your university is of a different size, does that make it any different than what like maybe the University of Oregon is dealing with or the University of Washington is dealing with? Yes, I can say with certainty, yes. Even though I'm very new to the higher education environment, the way that the University of Oregon specifically is designed, it's, it's very much like its own city. Um, our university is like a little mini city, a little micro city. You know, we have dining services, we have residential halls. But we don't have our own um, very robust infrastructure system like they do here. We don't have our own power grid. University of Oregon is a city within a city. So they have a very different dynamic than what we're dealing with. I don't suppose you have a football team, do you? We do have a football team. Surprise, we do. Yeah, the Pacific University boxers um, do have a football team. We have quite a few athletic programs, soccer, um, lacrosse, uh, football, swimming, track, field, baseball, softball. We have quite a few. For a small university, we, we've pretty much got it going on. Do any of the bigger universities give you like a hard time about that? No, they, they sort of have the same surprise look you just did that when I tell them we actually do have a football team. We're in a completely different division than the big dogs here with the ducks and the beavers. We, they, we, we don't even, they can't even see us from the stands where we sit compared to them. So, yeah. Do you still have to plan for those type of events, though? We do. Because it is a small community, the, the majority of the community comes out to those games. So for us, even though it's fewer people, the impact could be just as great because it would impact a very large chunk of the community all at one time should something happen at one of those events. From this workshop, what is like a key takeaway for you? My, my key takeaway, especially as somebody very new to higher education, is how amazingly tight the core of higher education emergency managers are. Um, in general, emergency managers are a very um, tight family, but I found that this cluster of higher education folks is even, is even closer um, and, and much more engaged and willing to share information um, and support each other and uh, very 
very, very familial um, and, and close. I appreciate that a lot more versus city and county where sometimes you have to have a degree of separation because it's government. There's some different politics involved here. Um, there's, there's politics involved, but it has more to do with your specific university and it doesn't kind of cross-contaminate your ability to have those relationships. I think that's the biggest takeaway. This peer-to-peer -peer interaction among higher ed emergency managers allows for improved partnerships. To FEMA, these relationships are kind of a version of a locally executed response. The variety of campuses in any region of the U.S. means different working relationships with government officials at the municipal, the county, or the state level. For these campuses, there's a city within a city, a community within a community, and then there's a community within a metropolis. My name is Steve Sharvat. I'm the Emergency Management Director for the University of Washington in Seattle. You know, I've been in this industry for now since 30 two years, um, and I, I, I've learned that you never, if you think you know everything, you're fooling yourself. Um, our world changes, our environments change, and that there's always something out there that, that I can learn from, that I can be better on, and I can learn from my peers. And the peer-to-peer -peer is probably the best thing that I've ever gotten out of this. Uh, I've been to every P the old PDS courses, the professional development series, the FEMA Executive Academy, spent a year at, uh, at Emmitsburg. Um, having come from DC, I, I spent a lot of time at headquarters um, and so forth. Uh, but I realized that I think what the things that FEMA and other um, training or organizations that have a training arm can really benefit the profession um, is, is to encourage sort of this peer-to-peer this -peer informal um, learning opportunities. Um, not, that, nothing against the classroom, syllabus-based type traditional training for skills-based, but um, so much of what we do in emergency management is about relationship building, uh, building trust, and knowing uh, where to go for help because none of us have everything we need. Um, we're gonna have, and it's okay to ask for help. This provides that network and that process for any of us, no matter if we're state, local, military, private, um, nonprofit, that there's a much larger network out there to provide support. And I'm so glad the University of Oregon has, on a regular basis, through Andre and his folks, have sponsored this or begun the process, um, such as the disaster resistant Drew Listserv, and providing those resources because there's a need out there and the need Generally, it could be the best is, is best um, addressed by peer-to-peer -peer networks and stuff. Uh, events like this are the type of things that have much more value to me than, say, a national conference. That's a week of you know seminars and breakout sessions with vendors and so forth. This I get so much more value out of this, and can't beat the cost either of you know, bringing back practical, workable solutions so I can immediately implement them. Is there a specific uh, risk or threat that uh, you're concerned about from an emergency management perspective? Well, you know, we do we, we do the all hazards approach. You know, we don't want to focus any any of our time on any one specific issue. But you know, we're everything from human caused to natural, technological. Uh, the big one for us, is the, our big one, is going to be you know, the Cascadia earthquake. Um, if we can prepare for that, uh, the same. Um, theories and practices come into effect for the day-to-day -day snowstorm, power outage. Of course, right now, uh, the issue I call the disease du jour is a uh, novel coronavirus. Um, but most of us come into this field knowing that, um, yeah, it's a different type of threat and hazard, but we really take our common uh, practices that we've learned in theory and we practice in other disasters and just apply to a different, in this case, a novel threat, that being the coronavirus. And um, it's, 
to the public it might sound scary, but to us it's just a different, um, different hazard or threat. But we're trying to apply the same practices so that we're consistent on how we respond, how we plan, and how we recover, and use those experiences for our home institutions. For a campus like this, because University of Washington is more um, metropolitan-based, would you say? Mm -hmm. uh, so for the risk like here, do you think, um, do you modify that at all? Because it seems like there's different um, concerns that you would have from the type of campus that University of Washington is compared to the University of Oregon. Sure. Well, yeah, obviously, Oregon, it's, it, this is a college town. It's much smaller. Um, but, you know, yeah, public, private, large or small, most colleges and universities, um, no matter where they are in the country, tend to have a much more uh, expanded list of hazards and threats than their local community. Just because of things like research, um, they're much more diverse in terms of their populations, um, especially in college towns. So we, uh, when we look at our communities, um, yeah, Seattle is, is, is bigger in terms of its total size, um, but we're in an urban area. But we all have, as an example, being in Pac-12, um, the, the uh, threat of earthquakes. And so that's the beauty of having these regional uh, meetings and workshops is that while the national conferences and listservs and discussion boards are important and they provide a wealth of information, uh, it's nice because of the ones that are here regionally, we can sort of share what's different and unique of our part of the country. And like I said, the earthquake threat and being a subduction zone area is very different here than, say, um, New Madrid in the middle of the country or um, the shallow earthquakes. Um, so those are the kind of things that I think really benefit us. And, you know, the value and benefit of these conferences isn't always just the written materials and the PowerPoints. It's the, well, the old days, it was collecting the business cards, knowing who you can call, who, who can come to your aid, who you can ask for assistance from, even if it's just verbally when you're having problems because we share that in common in this region. For something like this, do you absolutely need FEMA? Oh, I'm sorry, for this being what? This, this conference or? For like this workshop conference or even for like any emergency management planning, I mean, do you absolutely need like FEMA to help you out with what you're? You know, I, I, you know we, the best problems are solved locally and, you know, we, um, FEMA's a partner in the process, but, you know, we see them as sort of a, um, a training resource and, uh, you know, in the recovery area, they're there to, you know, financially assist. Um, as, as I know, because, you know, I came from D.C. prior to here as well, that FEMA's, you know, by comparison to the federal agencies, it's a small, it's very small. They're there to support um, uh, the, the states and the locals, and uh, when I mean support, uh, I think there's a common misconception by the general public that when there is a big catastrophic disaster, be it a tornado or hurricane or earthquake, that unfortunately, uh, for whatever reason, the public thinks that FEMA is going to come in and write them a check to replace their entire house and everything that's lost. We know that's not the case. It never has been. Um, I think, you know, but personally, I think that society has changed over the last couple of decades where there's this re over-reliance on the federal government um, that will make them whole. We, it wasn't always that way. You know, it was sort of everybody pitched in and the farmers all took care of rebuilding the barn and community helping each other. Um, for whatever reason, over the last century, that's changed to an over-reliance on the federal government. And I, th I think the pendulum sh should be swinging back because the reality is the help is going to come at the most local level. And FEMA is there in terms of public assistance and individual assistance sort of as the last, last 
uh, step in the process. And um, I think FEMA is a key player, but at least at the local level and the university level as well, we realize that you know we are best left on our own to solve our problems. Um, but we we know that FEMA is available to at, if we need to to ask for assistance and at least provide guidance on how we can best recover from whatever the incident might be. You mentioned uh, Pac-12 mm -hmm. a few times. Um, does uh, football rivalry rivalry at all play into uh, your work? Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, I'd be lying if I said it didn't. Um, of course, you have to have a good good team. Uh, there, there is some of that. It's I, when I say Pac-12, many of us are from Pac-12. The, the day before this two-day workshop was a Pac-12 meeting. Um, we don't get together enough um, as a, I guess that's an athletic organization, but we share ge geography in common. Um, Football, not really, but we do share on football days. If we're a host university, we all activate some type of a command center or EOC, incident management team structure. Um, and football games themselves are a good uh, opportunity for all of us to practice, you know, um, practice our plans and processes for big, uh, either larger special events or when the catastrophic event happens. So six times a year, all of us have the opportunity, as does the University of Washington, during home football games, is to somehow activate our systems. And we do that by turning, opening up our ELC, turning on all the, all the uh, AV systems, checking our phones, checking our systems, and it gives us an opportunity football as an example. And of course, Pac-12 is more than just football, but it gives us that opportunity to um, test our systems in sort of peacetime when the things are a little quieter so that when a big event does happen, at least we've got that familiarity in the, generally in the fall um, to assure that our systems are working. We welcome your comments and suggestions on this and future episodes. Help us to improve the podcast by rating us and leaving a comment. If you have ideas for a future topic, send us an email at fema-podcast at fema.dhs.gov. If you'd like to learn more about this episode or other topics, visit fema.gov forward slash podcast. Mm -hmm.